Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Today's scripture comes from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus in all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Man, thank you, Pastor, and thank you, uh, worship team. We do start a new series today, and you will notice as part, um, very intentional part of this series, you will notice that we will take a few musical walks down memory lane. I don't remember the last time I, I sang Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, but I liked it. And we'll do more of that next week. And thank you. You heard Reverend Carla Steele lead worship. I need to tell you what's coming so you can prepare for it. Uh, we are going to have another time of prayer. We're going to ask DeCarla and Roland to come down here. DeCarla is going to be appointed sometime this week to a, a congregation to be their senior pastor, which is great news and terrible news all at the same time, because that means that we lose her to our fellowship. But She's promised that we're going to be collaborate in collaboration, partner, yeah, that's right, sibling congregation. So we will, we will still see her. We were also going to have another spot that we'll reserve for Robbie and her husband, Matt Kanzler, who are here as part of the Walt Crow Retreat, Pastoral Retreat Program. And it's always good to see Linda. Good to see you, Linda. But we'll have Robbie and Matt come down probably over here. We'll have the, the, the Steels over here and the, the Kanslers over here. They pastor a church in Hammond, Indiana that they planted, actually. And so they are here getting a deep breath and eating really good Oklahoma City food. And so at the end of the service, uh, right after the communion, uh, time of communion, I will have you gather around these two and we'll have Pastor Ken who will pray for uh, Robbie and Matt Kanzler. And we'll have my good friend, oh, there he is, uh, Pastor Jim Williams to come and pray for the, the Steels. Jim and Kay are going to take the Sunday school class, the uh, Samaritan Sunday school class, and teach it. But I probably should also tell you that they have very recently, Jim and Kay, have celebrated their 50th anniversary. Jim was telling me before church that they got married at nine years old, which is incredible. (laughs) It's good to see you guys. Now, some of the cynics in the room are perhaps saying to themselves, praying for pastors to do the local church thing, which, as I look around, I'm not sure is working. So what are are we doing? (laughs) We are still somehow obligating people to go do this local church thing. Somewhere in Oklahoma City, CME tradition, and back in Hammond, Indiana, what are we doing? Shouldn't we be asking these people to find other more meaningful lines of work? I mean, I have to be honest with you, over the last, I don't know, 16 months, uh, four years, I have asked myself a similar question, like, am I best spent doing this? Because I look around, 
look around, and there is a lot of work that's being done by churches that I would put in the category of destructive work. I mean, it's not been, I told you about this, it's not been that long ago that I sat on the back porch with a couple very dear to me as they said this to me. (laughs) They said, look, we love what OKC First is doing. The reason we're not coming back is that we don't want to be identified with Christians at all. We don't want our kids to see that we are somehow involved in a system of life, religion, belief, that has been demonstrated over the last couple of years to do such awful and terrible exclusive sorts of things, this couple said. I said, but we're not that way. So, you know, we know that you're not way, not that way, but it, it means something to us that this is the exception and not the rule. The rule is something that we don't want to be associated with anymore, which caused me in that moment to wonder, like, what are we doing? After that, another young couple, very dear to me, very close to me, said, oh yeah, we'll, we'll be back. We'll be back. I'm not sure why, but we'll be back. I said, what, 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 that last part, what do you mean, I'm not sure why? I said, well, I mean, it feels like sometimes that when we go and hike, when we go and swim, when we, when we are out there in nature, sometimes we can find, find God. So I'm not exactly sure why we gather. And maybe some of you are in the same place. I have heard that one for years. I have a very dear friend, very, very dear friend, hasn't been here in years and years and years. And he's not here because he just doesn't get it. Like, what are we doing? We come and we listen to you talk. No offense, but we just come and listen to you talk. <laughs> Still a good friend, I, I kid you not. But what are we doing? What are we doing? You know what? If churches are doing terrible things, that's a legit question. If, if faith is the means of exclusion and damage, then that is an excellent question. <laughs> but I would submit to you that God's original hope and intention, and I would submit that God does intend a local church. I would submit to you that God has high hopes. In fact, I would go so far as this, and you're going to hear this in the voice of the Apostle Paul as we work through the book of Ephesians over the next few weeks. I think that God intends to partner with folks just like us to bring about the restoration of all things. So as I was going through one of these seasons of questioning, we actually went to the arts festival. And uh, we walked by the, the I, don't, I think I can say his name without being a copyright <laughs> infringement of any kind. This is, this is a piece by a guy by the name of Steve Weworka. Steve Weworka. We absolutely could not afford it. <laughs> but I was just struck by this image. I mean, hasn't the pandemic caused you to ask as well, what am I going to be when I grow up? Hasn't the the pandemic caused you to assess your life situation, the trajectory of your life and the ramifications of the decisions that you've made along the way? I was in one of those seasons not too long ago, April, and walked by this picture and again was romanced by the thought, the image of a local church was, as in some sense, I guess, to, to, I don't want to be 
too overly dramatic, but I was kind of called again by this image. I mean, simple little church house that explodes out of this little prairie against the backdrop of skies that look to be a little bit dangerous. We've seen that image before in Oklahoma, haven't we? But there is something, even though the, the, the paint, it's, it's sort of weathered. Man, it's like that church is stubborn against the backdrop of a storm. Yeah. I want to do that. I want to do that. And because I want to do that, it's important that I say to you over the next several weeks what I feel like will be a faithful interpretation of what Paul is saying to us is like, hey, folks, we, we have a job to do. And by the way, faith is a team sport. I think that's part of the problem. I think part of the problem is that we have allowed faith to be too uh, individualized, right? We have, we have we have called it success if we can somehow get people to heaven, right? But I've noticed some people who have struggled with sin and addiction and, and terrible decisions. And if the only definition of success where faith is concerned is just to get somebody to heaven, then I need to get that person who struggles with addiction and with sin, I need them to get them down here and get them prayed through and then kill them. <laughs> to get them through, right, to the... When faith is individualized... I define success maybe one of a couple of ways. One is, am I going to get to heaven or not? Avoid hell, get to heaven. But the other is, I, I want to somehow improve my resume before God. I want to be the best me I can be, and that's not a terrible thing. But faith is a team sport. Faith is a team sport, and success cannot be fully realized just within your own life. Is it personal? Yes, yes. And I would, I would encourage all of us to think seriously about Jason's class. Like if you haven't already thought seriously, if you haven't already taken disciple, and even if you have, you should, ser you should actually seriously consider taking it again. Because I would call Jason's class essential and foundational to all that we're trying to do around here as it has to do with faith. Faith that is a team sport. What is it that we are trying to do? Who are we? Who are we? What does it mean in one of our ancient creeds, the Nicene Creed? What does it mean when we hear this line in that creed? We believe in one, holy. Holy in this case meaning called out and set aside for a specific purpose. Catholic, which in this case means universal, creation-wide. Apostolic, which means connected to our stories, goes back generations, centuries, millennia. Apostolic church. Great. But what does it mean? Who are we? In the course of trying to answer those questions, and, and I'll have several answers to it, and they, none, of them, none of them will be complete in and of themselves. We're just going to take shots at it along the way, this answer to the question, who are we as church folks? But I will do a couple of things. I will keep referring to us, us, and not just each of us, but us taken together. 
And the other thing I'll do is I will try to connect back to our history in all kinds of fun ways. Yes, musically, but also, like, we're going to talk about the teams of the 80s. Did you know that during the 80s, there was only one repeat champion? It was the Dodgers, and they won two. But the L.A. Kings, led by Wayne Gretzky, they won four. And then you have those greasy 49ers. They won four Super Bowls. And then my favorite of the bunch right here, the Lakers won five championships, showtime, and loved all of that. Now, during that same time, we also had kind of a dream team here. <laughs> These folks were great. You, you may not know it, but Walt and Catherine Cherry there on the left, Will McColl, the Nichols. Oh, these folks continue to leave marks on this church, the best kind of marks on this church. It, it would do us some good, Melvin Hatley, all the way here on the, on the right, it would do us some good to try to remember that we are a church that is the product of a lot that has gone on in the past here. That would probably do us some good. We continue to be a church that is the product of a lot that has gone on in our past, our distinctive, peculiar story. Many, 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 many chapters, some of which are good, some of which are bad. But even then, even then, when we have had terrible, awful, dangerous, exclusive chapters, there has still been the grace of God on full display as God each and every week comes and says, come back to me. Come back to me. And yes, there have been some really good songs, and we're going to hear some of them next week. Do any of these, like I'm going to look at my man Tim here because he is a musicologist, and he will remember all of these. He probably has a setting like I do for each of these. Does anybody remember the song, Our God is an Awesome God? Anybody? There we go. Okay, I knew this. El Shaddai. Anybody remember that one? Yeah, yeah. In fact, rumor has it that on the, the high school mission trip to Toronto, El Shaddai might be used as a weapon to wake people up in the morning. Is that right? <laughs> Great is the Lord by Michael W. Smith. Lord, I lift your name on high. I don't know who did that. We will glorify. like that one a lot, actually. Twilight Paris. And then Shine, Jesus, Shine by Graham Kendrick. I feel like it's not been that long since we have heard that on a regular basis. And I like this song. Let me, let me here, here's the lyrics of the, of the chorus. Shine, Jesus, shine, fill this land with the Father's glory. Blaze, spirit, blaze, set our hearts on fire. A couple things I like about this song. I like the plural pronouns, right? But I love the cosmic creation-wide vision of it. You can't get to what I believe to be the faithful retelling the story that comes with a cosmic creation-wide vision by staying in your own little individualistic lane. God wants me to not go to hell. That's true, but that's not all. And the best parts are the parts that you're leaving out if that is your prime motivation to be involved. Flow, river, flow. Flood the nation with grace and mercy. Send forth your word, Lord, and let there be light. I, I, I love the vision of it. God, we know this from verse one, actually. We know this. God, the author of light, 
allows us to borrow some of that authority so as to partner with God, collaborate with God in bringing and shedding light anywhere there is darkness. A church can be a great thing for a neighborhood. A church can be a great thing for the people who go to that church that is a great thing for its neighborhood. But friends, you have to get involved. And I mean that in a variety of ways. I'll say it again. If you haven't yet taken Jason's disciple class, there is a chance that you have not yet understood what is perhaps best about the narrative of Scripture. You need to seriously consider it. If you have not yet taken classes with people who can help you to think through what it means to pray, we have those people around too. Folks, we need to learn to pray. There's a, there's a lot of people who believe that the book of Ephesians is a very long prayer for the people at the church in Ephesus. We've got to rediscover the power of prayer. Now, honestly, <clears throat> I don't want to do away with all of the phraseology of what I would call an individualistic faith. I don't mind our kids at all, not at all, saying at certain points along the way in their development, I've asked Jesus into my heart. I think that's great. Let's celebrate that. And then let's tell them, and there's more. In addition to trying to sort of bite-size God and Christ into your heart, some point, at some point, you'll have the opportunity to take up residence in God's heart as you are a part of this incredible team, <laughs> the body of Christ, animated by all of the things that animate God. You, you do realize, right, we, we, hold, we hold this very tightly. The same air, wind, spirit that filled the lungs of Christ, Christ gifted to us the body of Christ so that we can enjoy that same wind, breath, spirit. And then, according to Jesus, Take it up with Jesus if you don't like this. Then do some of the same things, if not better things, said Jesus. Crazy stuff. I think some people leave the church disenchanted because their vision for the church and for faith is too small. How small? As small as each one of them. Not as big as God and us. Paul is trying to help this church in Ephesus. This church in Ephesus, now see if this sounds familiar, which is struggling against the backdrop of the empire that wants to be understood as the church, <laughs> that wants to be understand, understood as a religious tradition. Paul is saying to them, hang in there, bear up, be strong. You are special. You're a group of people who are special just because God called you into existence. Hang in there. You may not understand the full scope of what it is that you're supposed to be and do. And so Paul writes this to try to tell them what it is that they're supposed to be and to do. In fact, look at this. Ephesians chapter 1. In Christ, we have obtained this incredible inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope in Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. It goes on to say, in him, in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. In other words, we are 
We are, after Christ, the first evidence that God is going to remake all of creation. In fact, here's the first answer to the question. Who are we? Here's the first one. Well, what we are is we are the embodiment of the heart, the passion, and the intention of God who, for better or worse, has chosen to renew and restore all of creation through a person, Christ, and a people, the body of Christ. Now, you can take issue with whether or not that's a great plan, but that is the plan. <laughs> that God has dared to see us as worthy collaborators in the business, in the mission of the kingdom. Okay? And second, another sermon I, I could have preached if I had started this series a little bit earlier. He himself, this Jesus, is our peace. And in his flesh, he has made both groups, the Jews and the Gentiles, all people, into one, and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. Verse 15, he has abolished the law with his commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, skipping down to verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. So, we are a new kind of humanity. I've tried to say this to you before. Being Christian is an odd way of being alive, and that's by design. You are called to be peculiar people, and that word peculiar has all kinds of meanings, and they all work here. Peculiar, odd, yes. Peculiar, distinctive, distinct. Yes, that as well. But obviously, it is hard against the backdrops that we are living up against to be this peculiar people. We are being told on a regular basis to look out for number one. I mean, we live in a context that still tells us to look out for ourselves. And here's what makes that difficult. It's not that that's entirely wrong. But sometimes, the passion to look out for myself causes me to cut ties, cut ties with all the other systems and processes that perhaps are God-ordained that make me who I am. This is a discussion we've been having in our Sunday school class over the last couple of weeks. I have friends who do therapy for a living. I have friends who teach people to do therapy for a living. And not too long ago, we were talking about how therapy isn't an effort to try to sever all the ties. That what we're after is not complete independence, complete autonomy. We're after a right and a faithful and a healthy interdependence. It's not that we, want, we don't want people to have no anchors at all. It's that we want to be anchored rightly and properly and faithfully. And so a lot of times we're swimming upstream, and so Paul prays for these Ephesians and prays for us and says this, I pray that according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you, that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you all are being rooted and grounded in love. It, let's keep saying 
that Christ lives inside of us, but let's be careful to say as well that there is this Christ that lives between us, that networks us all together. And I pray that you have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Okay, so it is God's intention to have a people, right? And we are a new kind of humanity, right? And we are distinct first and foremost because we are trying to live according to the love that we see and the grace that we see demonstrated most clearly in the face of God that we recognize in the face of Christ. So, whoops, all right. That says, we are the family of God, organized and animated by love. Now listen to this. Organized and animated by love, just as God is animated and organized by love. We said this not too long ago on Trinity Sunday. God, God's self, is organized and animated by love. And then when we gather, and this is something you, I think being in nature is the right thing, it's a good thing. But when we gather here, we are reminded of and shaped by and sent by the peculiar, distinctive, dynamic, relentless love of God. What would it look like? Let's do talk about one person. What would it look like? What would your life look like if your every decision was motivated by love? Decisions relative to how you drive, dear God. <laughs> Decisions relative to how you spend. Decisions relative to how you argue. Decisions relative to how you make your profit, P-R-O-F-I-T. Decisions relative to how you are a friend or a family member. Decisions relative to how you act toward or interact with your enemies, your opposites, your irritants, complete strangers. What would your life look like <laughs> If your motivation started and ended with, well, I want to do the thing that is most representative of this distinct and peculiar love that I see demonstrated in Christ. Now, that's going to blow your mind. You ready? And then what would it look like? What kind of ecosystem would we build together if we were a group of people who made all of our decisions that had to do with what, John? Yeah. Everything. If we made all of our decisions motivated by this one thing, how will we embody this distinctive, peculiar, dynamic, generative, creative love of God we see in Christ? We are called to be a people who live differently because we are animated and organized by the love that we see demonstrated in Christ, in the biggest of ways, but also in the smallest of ways.
She's by herself on her birthday. Until she isn't. If a group of people are organized and animated by love, then we're going to be very careful of whatever gets into the category of enemy. Enemy is not for us, the people on the other side of the aisle. If it is for you, man, grow up. <laughs> enemy for us is isolation. Loneliness. The excluded. In the smallest of ways, but also in the biggest of ways. A lot of these families aren't here today, but man, it's hard to find a more Christian posture than the posture of that family who's willing to take into their home another life. Foster care is a huge Christian commitment. Adoption is a huge Christian commitment. I don't know if you've seen this commercial. It's, it's been airing here uh, because of the Olympics, but watch this. Mrs. Long? Yes? We've found a baby girl for your adoption, but there are some things you need to know. She's in Siberia, and she was born with a rare condition. Her legs will need to be amputated. I know this is difficult to hear. Her life, it won't be easy. Mrs. Long? It might not be easy, but it'll be amazing. I can't wait to meet her. We believe there is hope and strength in all of us. Toyota, proud partner of Team USA. Thank you, Toyota. <laughs> That's beautiful. Did you catch that line? There is hope and strength in all of us. All I'm going to do is just add this one little phrase. There is hope and strength in all of us as we are gathered together to be the body. Did you notice that we started in DeCarla read verses that we typically put at the end of the service in the benediction? But you need to know the context of the verses. What, what Paul is trying to say here is, if you will be the people animated and organized by love in the smallest of ways, as it has to do with birthday cake, and in the biggest of ways, as it has to do with sharing your very life in your very home. If you will be those people, you just cannot believe what it is that God will do in and through you all. You just can't believe it. There is hope and strength in all of us, particularly when we are gathered together as the body of Christ and understand ourselves as the body of Christ. Now to him by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we could ever ask or imagine to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen.
So I would submit to you that church work is important work. And it's because God is who God is. But it's also because we are who we are. Yes, it's because God, the author of life, intends to renew and restore all of creation. But it's also because God calls us to partner as the body of Christ. So to my friends who wonder why we gather, here's why we gather. We gather, first of all, because God intends for us to gather. Second, we gather because we're an odd people who gather. And third, we gather so as to be reminded of the story, of the love of God that starts in the heart of God then comes to us. That, when embodied, has the power to change the world and even a life, and even a life. And so in a minute, I'm gonna ask Robbie and Mac to come here. I'm gonna ask Roland and DeCarla to come right here. But after we gather around the table to remember all over again who we are and what we're here to do, we are here because God calls us as a reflection of the love that we celebrate and remember each week around the table. So if you haven't already gotten your communion elements, look around and there are people. Ken, if you will grab that right outside the door. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Officer Schneider, if you will get that right outside of the door right there and help us with that. If you do not already have, thank you, Andrew, if you don't already have an element, then please get one of these. We're not always going to do this. This is, this is not my favorite thing to do. Someone referred to it as Mick Communion. Hurt my feelings a little bit. But it's where we're at, and it will still carry the message. Heavenly Father, bless these elements. Simple, small pieces of bread, simple sips. Bless these elements and somehow, God, with them, remind us of who you are so that we can be reminded of who we are. Somehow, God, in these moments, remind us of this irrepressible, non-scorekeeping love that comes to us as we are assesses us as we are and chooses us anyway. Remind us then that that love equips us to be members of the body of Christ, equips us to then love as we have been loved. And may somebody this week be so captured by the remembrance of the story that it changes the way they love, it changes who they see as they look in the mirror. It was on the night that he was betrayed that our Savior took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. This is what love looks like. And so every time you remember this, remember me, remember love. And so now church, if you would take and break and eat. Later on, he would take the cup, 
hold it up before them and say, and this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant. And every time you drink of it, remember me, a new covenant that we still enjoy to this day. So church, if you would now take and drink. Roland and DeCarla, if you'll come here, and Robbie and Mac, if you'll come here, and then throughout the sanctuary, if you would, we would like for you, church, to help to launch these folks back into ministry and into the local church. So if you would, come and find somebody to stand behind. You say, I don't, I don't know these people. That's fine. Your prayers still work. <laughs> so please come, and let's surround these two. I'm going to pray a brief prayer of confession as you gather. And then I'm going to turn it over to my friend, Ken Murray. Pastor Ken is going to lead us into one of those prayers of commissioning while also praying prayers of intercession. And then missionary Jim Williams will pray a prayer of commissioning also before we close with the Lord's Prayer. So Heavenly Father, we confess, we confess that there are times when our vision is too small. We confess that there are times when we underestimate what it is that we can do when walking in step and in collaboration with you. We confess, God, that sometimes we find ourselves disenchanted by the ugly ways in which words like church are embodied around us. Sometimes, God, we are victims of our own cynicism in that process. And so what we need, God, for you to help us to remember. What we need, God, is for you to help us to remember, to remember each week as we gather who you are, who we are as a reflection, and why we are here. I'm going to give you a few moments to pray your own personal prayer of confession before I turn it over to Pastor Ken. May the Almighty God have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness. And by the power of the Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Pastor. As we continue in prayer, spend just a few moments praying for those who are mourning today. Uh, At least two of our Church families have been touched by death in the last week or two. and So just pray for those families and for others that you might know, just for a moment. Oh God, we know and believe with all our hearts that promise of yours that those who mourn shall be comforted and are blessed. But when we're going through it, it does not always feel like blessing. And so would you speed the comfort to those who are mourning this morning? Church, would you pray for those who are recovering from various surgeries and ailments? 
Those who come to my mind are Gerald and Frida Human, Angela Adams, Glenn Fain, Teresa Veach, James Shea, Dennis Bratcher. By the way, this week, Dennis got to ring the bell that signified he had completed his treatment. Now it's a matter of waiting and testing again. Would you pray this morning for uh, Cherie Murray? As the coming week and weeks after that, as she's uh, having a hip replacement this week, pray that the surgery would go well and the recovery would be smooth and quick. Pray for our children and our youth who have been the last few weeks in camps and retreats. That the work that God is doing in them through these events would be lasting. They would catch a vision of their place in this great kingdom of God and His church. Spend a few moments praying for those who have been impacted by COVID, not just in our church family, but throughout our community. Uh, one of our young, young men has discovered that his dad has been hospitalized with COVID. And it's touched many of our families. Father, we are so thankful that we can come to you when we are faced with that which is simply beyond us. And so we praise your name in the midst of our need. And now let's pray for Robbie and Matt, their ongoing ministry. And Father, First of all, I would just thank you for this outreach that you have given us through the Walt Crow Center, that we're able to make a difference in the lives of those you have called. And we pray for this couple. Pray for Robbie. Lord, starting a new ministry, ministry in which they're involved can at times be so exciting and other times can be so heavy and sometimes just slogging through day after day but we pray that just now in those moments of celebration when things break through break loose and they see great victories for Christ in their neighborhoods. May they know that there is a church here that is celebrating with them. And in those moments when her heart and their hearts are breaking, may she also know that there is a congregation here that is praying with her and lifting her up and as best we can, providing strength. Bless them and bless their ministry. And in these days ahead, may there be great strides and victories in their own personal lives and in the life 
of their community. Thank you, Jesus. Our Father, we come to you from the depths of our heart. We pray thanksgiving that you have allowed us to cross paths with DeCarla and Rowan on this church campus. You have used DeCarla and Rowan as they have led the Samaritan class, as they have walked with the class members. You have used them in our lives as we have walked together. Now you're leading them to another ministry to pastor a local church. May you lead in those arrangements. May you prepare firm steps before DeCarla and Roland. May they find grace to truly support each other and receive the support of family and friends as they begin this new adventure. pray that you will grant them wisdom for each decision. There will be many mornings, most mornings, when they will realize we are not enough. That we can't complete the mission you've given us in ourselves. And in those moments, we praise you for you will grant them inner strength. Early in their walk as pastors, may you grant them opportunities to laugh and cry with the people of the church. From time to time, may DeCarla and Roland realize they are breathing pure kingdom oxygen as they walk with people according to your law of love. May you truly be glorified through their lives and ministry. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Now, church, let's conclude this beautiful time of prayer with the prayer that Christ taught his disciples to pray. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.